Listeners, if you've been listening to the show sometime within the last 10 or so years, and you've been following along with the the whole numbering scheme we're doing here, uh, I just want to say that you have not entered some bizarro world where there are two episodes 464s. And over the last year and a half, it's become a lot easier to lose track of the day or even the hour. But... We are no, not, I've made the mistake in this episode of calling it episode 464, did it twice in fact at the front and the end of the show, uh, but no, this is episode 465 of Trophy Yours. Thank you guys for your continued support as always. We've got a couple of great guests on tonight's show. Normally I try to put something funny or clever from the show here to kind of give you an idea what it's about, but I also feel it important to correct the fact that I called it by the wrong episode number. So again, please enjoy episode 465 of Trophy Whores. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I Yield to No One, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trophy Horse. This is episode 464 of the show, and, you know, we try to give you guys something new all the time, and we've had a lot of guest co-hosts on the show, but I think this is the first time we've ever had this combination of hosts on the show. Joining me this week is former co-host of Trophy Horse and one half of the Masters of the Dual Screens with Mr. Andy Asimakis. It is Stephen Fontana. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Uh, I'm sad that Tricky's not here, but he's got to go out there and just plow some snow. You know what I mean? He's got to do the thing. Big time blizzard coming, Tricky. We're 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 uh, we hope you stay safe out there, stay warm, and uh, salt and plow the hell out of the snow. Oh, I'm sure Tricky has plenty of salt to throw on the roads. Um, <laughs> b- but as he does in his video games, but Stephen, more so than any time, is aren't you glad during the winter that you don't work in sanitation in New York in New York City? Oh man, not, not only that, but I'm glad I just don't work in the city anymore. Like I've been working from home since this whole pandemic thing. So like, I don't have to worry about get, getting to the office and all, any of that stuff when it snows. When it snows, I get to go outside, play with the kids, make a snowman, do the whole thing. And I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's always good. Most excellent. Uh, hopefully we, we had a had a few snowmen in the community here in Louisville and you know, they've survived a few sunny days, which is nice to see. Hopefully your, your snowmen are still up and kicking there, Stephen. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> also joining us this week is the creator of the Be Legit competition. It's Levi. Hey, I'm glad to be back, my friend. But now, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how this works, but I, my understanding is Tricky supervises and dispatches five or six guys to scrape the roads, and he hangs out and plays PlayStation in his truck. Now, I, I could be wrong, but <laughs> hey, even so, the, the world needs pencil pushers, and in those regards, keep doing your thing, Tricky. You know, it does seem like a disproportionate amount of Steven and the rest of New York's tax dollars are going to Tricky playing Assassin's Creed on the PlayStation 5, which is... Entirely just, too much. Yes. Entirely too much. You're absolutely right. If I could do it, I would too. Yeah, I'm not. I'm as long as he's playing quality games and not just riffing off Rat Platinums while he's at work. You know, I guess I guess we can't hate on him too much. That's a good point. Yep. All right. Well, gentlemen, before we do anything here on the show, we love to get our updated trophy counts. 
Uh, I am level, well, I guess we should start with Tricky since he's top of the list. Uh, Tricky is level 603 with a total trophy count of 13,708 and a platinum count of 250. Actually, you know what? Didn't Tricky send me something earlier about updated trophies and needing to update trophies? I think he did. I don't know. They all, I thought they all had question marks before, so I think they might be updated now. I don't know. I've got so many messenger apps here on this phone that I cannot remember where he sent me pictures. And The latest, you may read the updated, I've got it. Uh, yes, if you don't mind. Tricky Mick, level 603. He's got a total count of 13,708, and he's got 250 Platinums. Alex, you have 439 is your level. You've got 7,144 total. And 108 plats. In 107 games. Sorry, Levi. I gotta I gotta jump in there and add that in there before someone gives me some shit for it. Gotcha. Yield level 433. He's got 6,903 trophies and 113 plats. Sid has level 511. He's got 10,077 total and 173 plats. Uh, it's got me here listed. I don't actually... I'm not a trophy guy, but... You will be happy to hear that uh, when I just finished my playthrough of the medium, I unlocked, I think it was 31 out of the 36 trophies, and I'm confident I can get the last five in a second playthrough, which I'm planning to do anyway. So I'm going to be mindful. It's actually all collectible stuff. I'm going to be mindful and try to get them all and get my first platinum. It will be the medium. And then Steven, of course, level 292, total count 2,553 with 11 Platinums. I think that's the first time we've ever pawned off the trophy reading to uh, to a guest host as opposed to me or Tricky <laughs> or Yield, but uh, Levi did a fine job at it. So, yeah. Um, so, obviously, as, you know, we, we gain trophies, we play games. We're, we're all three, I guess we would call gamers. And, and Steven does probably do, makes more of a living off it than the rest of us do. But that would lead us into, God, that's a terrible fucking segue. God, this is why Tricky needs to be here. Uh, but, yeah, guys, we play <laughs> games. We love games. What we've been playing. Steven, I'll go ahead and start with you, sir. Sure. Uh, I have actually, so January over on my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Batchild, I am doing three days a week. I am doing a beat the damn game challenge. I have over 30 games that I have started and they're triple A or high double A games that I have started over the years and never finished. And uh, I just recently finished Ghost of Tsushima and The Witcher 3. Now, when I mean finish, I mean I do the story. I am not doing side stuff. I'm basically picking up where I left off when I stopped playing, and I'm just trying to get through the story. So I finished those two um, in January. Um, the Witcher probably took me an additional like 14 or 15 hours of playing to get through the story. Um, but I have uh, a bunch of games on there. I have Days Gone, Doom, um, the 2016 uh, Doom. Um, just a, a bunch of games, Fallout 4, The Outer Worlds, like you name it, I've, I've started it and never finished it. Um, so that's pretty much what I've been doing. Um, I also played uh, a bunch of Hades recently, which I which I enjoyed, um, although I think roguelites are just really not my thing as a person with uh, attention deficit disorder and a little bit of OCD kind of mixed in there. It's pretty difficult for me to really enjoy playing those games, but 
Uh, those are, that's pretty much what I've been playing. But, uh, and of course I've been playing a ton of, uh, call of duty, uh, Warzone and apex legends, which are my apex legends is my main game that I play uh, a bunch of nights. Uh, so that's pretty much where I'm at right now, uh, waiting for some of the new stuff to come out, but I got to get through that. Some of that backlog, the backlog accountability is, uh, is killing me here. Um, especially around this time of year. So, Stephen, when you decided to do the the just beat the damn game that that particular stream, what was the impetus for you wanting to do that and just just kind of finish the all these games? You know, not necessarily going for the platinum, but just beating the game story. So, I I purchased Cyberpunk, and I was playing Cyberpunk a little bit. I purchased the PS4 version. I was playing on my PS5, and. I'm playing through it. I'm like, man, this is, this could be really good. And then all of a sudden, just one after the other, the thing was just breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking. And I just couldn't play the game. And I realized, why am I so worried about this game that I can't play? I looked forward to for so much, but I have dozens and dozens of games that came out that I never finished. So I said, you know what? Until they fix Cyberpunk and I could go and enjoy it properly, I'm going to go back and give these games that actually came out and were good when they came out, that didn't break, that didn't crash every five minutes, that didn't have corrupted saves or bosses that clipped into the environment and I couldn't fight. I'm going to play games that developers actually put you know, a, a finished product out there. So like that was the impetus. I said, you know what? I'm done with it. I'm going to play Ghost of Tsushima because it was probably one of my favorite games all year. Um, I finished Spider-Man before all that. Uh, I made sure to do that. Um, and, and that was really it. I just, I wanted to play good games and I know I, I started and never finished dozens of good games and that was it. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing that until the next big one comes out. Um, which we'll, we'll see what, what, what's going to catch my eye. I have, I have my eye on a couple of projects like, uh, was it, um, Biomutant, I think it's called, is that what it's called? Um, coming out in April. So we'll see. I want to try and get through as many of these as possible before I, I buy another game. There is something to be said for that because I feel like a lot of times these days with achievements and trophies, there are pros and cons to trophies and achievements that, you know, people have talked about, you know, for years and years. But one thing that I've found is that people tend to play games now for different reasons than they used to. Like, you know, back on the NES days and Super Nintendo days, it's like, hey, we play for the love of game and we play the games we want to play and we beat it. You know, maybe we'll go through again if we want to. But, you know, with const- with pro- with trophies and achievements, it's like, hey, I got to go play this game again because I got to earn this trophy or whatever. But with what you're doing, Steven, it's more like an old school, like, hey, I'm just going to play this game. I'm going to beat it and I'm, I'm going to move on to the next one. Yeah, a lot of the times it was uh, like I beat The Last of Us 2. I... I- Plowed, powered through that game uh, in about a week and a half when it came out. Uh, same thing with Miles Morales. Um, and I find that the, the reason why I did that is because spoilers are so powerful in those games. Like the, the story is so important in those games. And it was even so in, in Ghosts, but people weren't really looking to spoil ghosts for you. Like I, I didn't see a lot of posts about, Oh, look what happened in ghost of Shimi. Like it doesn't have that kind of zeitgeist yet. It doesn't have that kind of following, but the last of us and, and Spider-Man and all that they do. Um, and a God of war would, and an uncharted, you know, those games. So when they, when those games come out, I'm all about them. I play them until I beat them and then I'll play my other games. But for games like Ghosts and, and all the other ones that I mentioned, um, I really didn't care much about spoilers. So I could take my time with them. But the problem is I keep buying other games. Like I, it, I know there are a ton of you out there. Like I do a lot of coverage, you know, I play and those aren't even the indie games that I play. I play probably a dozen new brand new indie games every single month. Um, whether I complete them or not depends on the length of the game. Um, but for, for coverage on dualscreens.com and for 
coverage on on the uh, dual screens podcast with where we're interviewing a new dev every single week every every single week um you know stuff like that so like it's just i'm, I'm kind of constantly always pulled into different directions so i don't define myself as you know a trophy whore i don't, I don't really care about trophies if i <clears throat> cough cough got paid by the you know city of new york to sit down and play video games maybe a different story but uh, you know i still have that nine to five and i'm still you know a parent and stuff like that so like my time i look towards covering as much as i can not as deeply as I can on, on one or two pro- products. That's kind of how I look at it. In the spoiler situation, it's funny that you take like a movie approach to it where people like, oh, I got to go see this movie right away because otherwise like someone will spoil the new Star Wars for- movie or, uh, for me or whatever. But with The Last of Us Part 2 is definitely a, a, a spoilers were a big issue because, you know, we saw people just be dicks and just put out spoilers. They're probably worse than, than most games. But I think that because people played the game and weren't necessarily happy with the story and some of the beats the story took, that people were happy to just ruin everything for other people or just throw it out there as maybe like, hey, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not satisfied with this. I'm going to go and ruin the story for other people as a some kind of way to get back at Sony or Naughty Dog or whatever. So I feel like with that game in particular, it was really bad. Sure. Yeah, I just kind of moved moved through it, enjoyed it a lot. And now that's kind of what I'm doing with every game. Um, the Witcher 3 is just a spectacular game. I, I don't know if... You guys are big into that, but it was such a great experience. And now I'm moving on to, I think I'm going to do Days Gone next. So hopefully get through that. From what I hear, a a very worthy game. And uh, yeah, you should have some fun with that. Levi, sir, what have you been up to lately? Well, uh, as most know, this is opening weekend for the medium. And I I did finish it. I finished it this morning. It was a magnificent game it started getting review bombs just a day before release and i don't understand why um i think a lot of the people that were reviewing that they they're not i guess what you'd call a professional review professional critic um it was just some random jokers from my understanding that just tried to bash it that somehow got clicks on google um ignore those guys it it is a slow burning game um, don't go into this thinking it's going to be like Resident Evil or, or even Silent Hill. It's not. This is this is a true psychological horror. It is uh, story-driven. It's, it's all about the story. Uh, it's an investigative horror mystery. You're, you're solving this mystery. Um, the story is probably about as good as any I've ever played in the horror realm. Um, it has definitely, it has entered my top 10 horror games of all time, and I give it about a 9.0 out of 10. So it is, uh, in my opinion, blooper team, they have set the bar um, for horror for 2021. Uh, I don't want to give too much of a review on it because we're, uh, CJ and I were actually doing a deep dive on Push to Plat this week on the medium. He's finishing it this week as well. So, But uh, the medium, loved it. I'm also I've had a lot of crossover with Steven actually, but I'm also in the Fallout uh, series. I'm uh, I try to finish a franchise if it's a if it's a, a game I like, um, and then I play a second one and I really enjoy it. I try to beat that franchise. So right now it's it's Fallout. I've beaten two and three, and uh, right now I'm about halfway through New Vegas, and I'm I'm just loving it. I like New Vegas every bit as much as I like two and three. So those all three New, of those New games. Vegas man. Levi, New Vegas is I don't, I don't know if it's your first time playing that, but it has it has so many great moments and I don't know how far you went in it, but it is fantastic. It's it's my favorite Fallout game. By for sure. Like hands down. Yeah, it's I, I think I'm I probably just shy of halfway and 
I can see why everyone calls it their favorite. Um, a lot of people who call it their favorite never played two, and um, I think they should because I think two is is as good as this. But I think by the time it's all said and done, New Vegas may also be my favorite Fallout game. But uh, anyway, I'm trying to finish that franchise, which means I have to finish New Vegas. I've got to go play one, and I've got to do four in 76. I'll start four probably next month. But uh, also Kentucky Route Zero, I was challenged to play that, so I've started it. Uh, As most know, I bought a Nintendo Switch, finally. And I'm playing Mario Odyssey, playing through uh, the Mario game. I just finished my third playthrough of Control. So the first two were for PlayStation 4, and then of course I switched to PC. Almost all my gaming is done on PC now, so I wanted to play Control. So I'm a huge fan of the Remedy games. You know, I'm diehard Remedy. Um, can't wait to see what they release in the next couple of years. But also, uh, I, I finished Cyberpunk this month. Really enjoyed that. It, it wasn't uh, some genre-defining masterpiece, but it was a good game. I, I really enjoyed it. Also, um, playing and plan to beat Hades, but just like Steven said, I, I'm I'm just not into these button masher roguelikes. It's just that's not my game. Um, I've been challenged to beat it, and I'm going to beat it. But that is not the type of game I enjoy playing. For what it is, I see the the people that play those type of games, I get it. And I can see why they would love it. And it has a lot of great reviews, and I have nothing negative to say about it. It's a great game. It's just not my kind of a game. I was going to say, I'm glad to hear that you, you were enjoying Medium. Uh, because, you know, in films, we've seen a renaissance of horror in the last few years. And, and in video games, too, over the last decade. Regardless of what, you know, happened to Dead Space when... EA released Dead Space 3, but we've seen a lot of really good horror games come out. I've actually been watching a lot of YouTube videos about the best horror games of the last 10 years, but we've seen we've seen a renaissance in video games about that. So and even like with Remedy and Alan Wake, which was a really good game as well, which I'm sure, you know, set set off your love of Remedy. We had a little discussion about that on the Trophy Heroes Facebook page, but but yeah, and, you know, Alien Isolation, another one of your favorite horror games. So I'm definitely, definitely, it seems like you're getting a lot of different games, a lot of different styles of games, which is always good, rather than just sticking to, you know, like one style of game. I did Platinum Fallout 3, and I, I like, it's one of those games where like, I get why you would want to play that, and I get why Steven loves it. Open world games to me, and just kind of like the apocalyptic wasteland, like open world game, I'm kind of over those. Like, I, I don't like to play open world games just because like I have that itch to finish everything as fast as I can. And in those games, like side missions thrown in, it's just a nightmare for me. So that's kind of the only reason I didn't continue on with the Fallout series and just beat Fallout 3. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I get it. it. It might not be your thing, but um, yeah, I mean, New, New Vegas, I can't stop. Uh, New Vegas, I'm liking at least as much as 3. But um, uh, just to note a few games that I'm starting now that I've just finished several. Um, after I finish Hades... I'm going to be starting. I've been promising people for six months that I would uh, play Fable, and I really look forward to starting Fable. Fable's good too, yeah. Um, I love Fable. Yeah, playing my first blooper team game, the medium, um, and just enjoying that so much uh, got me looking at what else they've done, and uh, clearly my next game from them that I'm going to play, which I'll probably start in February, at least March, is the Blair Witch Project. So it looks like it has decent reviews. It doesn't look like it's as strong a game as the medium, but people did seem to enjoy it, so I'm going to play it. And as long as it's not based off a of Book of Shadows, I think you're starting off on the right foot there. 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, don't know much about it, but, but, you know, in, in, in doing Fallout, uh, you know, the Fallout games and I also went through and I, I beat almost all of the Doom games last year and I've just done a lot of, uh, Bethesda, sorry, it, it wouldn't come into mind. A lot of Bethesda games, they've became one of my, my top developers, you know, probably in my top three, at least top four developers, but I've never played what's considered their greatest game of all time, Skyrim. So I've put Skyrim at the top of my queue. I'll be starting Skyrim at least at least by March and probably in, in February. So I really look forward to those three games. I have uh, Skyrim I lost my original save for. Like my, the original Skyrim that I had a ton of hours in was on PS3 and the game broke. Because I don't know if you remember when that came out on PS3. If you opened too many chests and doors and didn't like put them back or whatever. I, I don't really know what the glitch was. The memory would just crash. So the game would just not run. And so I have that on, on my PS5, but I, it's not part of my finish the damn game because I have to start it over. But Fallout 4, I did start and never and never finished. So I'm looking forward to doing that. But after I finish like 10 games, I think I'm going to restart Skyrim because I'm an idiot. <laughs> nah, I don't blame you. And I noticed you also mentioned uh, some Obsidian games, so I'll throw them out there too. Of course, I think um, you know Fallout New Vegas. Of course, that's an Obsidian game. You mentioned Outer Worlds, uh, which that actually happened to me. What you just said, I lost my save file on Game Pass when I I think I had updated my uh, solid state hard drive, or I added another HDD or something like that. I lost the Outer Worlds, so I've got to go back and finish that. I'm also playing Pillars of Eternity this year, which is some consider their best game. Um, as soon as Avowed releases, which will probably be next year, that's you know that's their next big RPG. But uh, of course, I liked Kotor too. Um, they they made the second uh, Star Wars Knights of the Republic. Um, I'm pl- I'm playing Neverwinter, but um, I've taken a a huge liking to them. I'll also be playing Wasteland Two. They either developed it or played a big role in developing it. I played Wasteland Three, which was developed by In Exile, also a studio owned by Microsoft. But I've I've really taken a liking to Obsidian. They they they're in my top five developers now too. So I'm I'm just smashing everything I can that they make. They make some amazing games. And I also, like Levi, have a little crossover with Steven when it comes to games I've been playing. I've been doing the Rocket League Thursdays, of course, with the guys. We actually had one of the um, – from the Trophy, the Trophy Warriors group on Facebook. We had Gareth join us last Thursday showing off uh, what he can do. Um, played great. Uh, really brought some some strength and scoring and you know everything to the team. So thank you, Gareth, for joining us. I think Gareth said he had over 600 hours into the game. So Gareth definitely can uh, can play Rocket League and, and – uh, carry his weight very well actually outshine pretty much all of us so uh it was great playing with you gareth and i jumped back into ghost of Tsushima, which is where steven and i kind of cross over i'm not doing any of the single player stuff though i did finish the new game plus so i'm now going into the legends mode which is the co-op online stuff um and there's you know there's co-op stories there's also like four player survival waves and then there's a raid uh, like a, a three uh i guess chapter raid mode, which uh, unfortunately I have not been able to unlock because I'm not high enough skill with uh, my items and stuff in order to unlock it or to go after it right now. But but yeah, as far as like the Legend stuff, it's like like the game, it's beautiful. It's The presentation is gorgeous. Um, I love the way Sucker Punch did this. 
And the whole concept is basically that, you know, with the Mongols invading, that has basically brought Oni and, and all these demons into the world of Shishima. And, you know, Jin is not the only ghost we find out that there, there are four classes in Legends. It's the Hunters, the Assassins, the Ronin, and the Samurai. And those essentially are the ghosts of Shishima rising up to protect the island from the Oni. So um, basically anyone who plays online you, is considered you, a ghost. I'm, Go ahead, Stephen. I'm sorry to cut you off, but did you see, did you hear like what – what that what legends really is supposedly representing like do you know like how the story fits in and all that because it's actually incredibly fascinating once you once you realize what's happening it like completely opens up and it's not something that you learn as you're playing it's something that the developers sort of told you uh in, in some interviews and stuff but the the legends are what happened years after ghost of Tsushima as people were telling the legend of Jin. so because he was so incredible in the Ghost of Tsushima single player, like with the story, because of what he did that was so incredible, they can't fathom that one man did that. So they created these four different legends of the ghost. So there's the Ronin, there's the ghost, there's the the samurai, and I forget the other one. I apologize. But they mixed it up. They they separated it because as the legend went down over time, it got more and more like a game of telephone. So all of the stuff that you're doing or in legends are are missions that the bards had told over time over the legend of the ghost of Tsushima. So it's it's really fascinating that like you're doing tales like they're telling tales of what the ghost did, but people can't believe that one person did it. So it's a four player cooperative thing. Yeah, and well, you of course have the mythic tales in that is told essentially by a bard in the story. And there's like exactly. there's like six of them, yeah. And there's a little blue icon on the uh, on the map. So uh, that's a, a kind of a continuation of that, or the same in the same vein, which is really cool. But no, Stephen, I actually hadn't exactly. heard that, so that's really cool to know. I do know that. Uh, so essentially, there are nine missions. Uh, each one's three chapters, but there are nine story missions that you do co-op with another person. And then there's also the survival, which is just I think five arenas, and it's just waves of enemies. And there's like bronze, silver, and gold, yeah. and you do 15 waves, 20 waves, 25 waves. And then there's the raids. And actually, so the story mode, the two player stories, those nine actually ends on a cliffhanger. You don't finish everything. The story actually continues over into the raids, where you go deeper into defeating EO, which you know it, I'm not going to explain everything to you. But uh, as you play through the the story, the two player co op missions. You learn about EO uh, and how that ties in with the Oni and everything, uh, and the raids are actually a continuation of that. So in order to get the full story, you have to unlock the raids and, and do the raids to figure out how the ghosts deal with uh, EO in the end. But yep. so, like I said, beautiful presentation. The game is actually really fun. Um, the you know the two, two player missions they take maybe anywhere between fifteen to thirty minutes, depending on your difficulty. There's three difficulties, so you can go back and get better loot by doing the gold missions. The one thing, the one kind of complaint that I have about Legends is they lock a lot of the the survival and the raid stuff till later on. So you basically have to build up, which is fine. You don't actually carry over anything from the one player mode. It's all you build up your Kai or your your key, I guess Ki in Legends. So you do that by completing story missions first, the two player story missions, and getting better gear. And the gear is actually what increases your your key. And allows you to get stronger and take on stronger challenges, do the gold missions, and then later on after you do more of them, you can do the survival stuff. And then after that, you have to get up to 100 key, and then you can do the raids. So, for instance, I've beaten all the story missions, all nine, on bronze and silver, and I have beaten two of them on gold. 
and I've gotten the Samurai to level 20, and I've gotten the Ronin to level 9. So I've been playing for about a week or so now, and I am the highest I can get right now is like 79 uh, key. So I, I've not been able to touch really the survival or the raid stuff yet. So my one complaint is that that stuff is kind of locked too much behind a gate at the at the start. I understand wanting people to build up and get stronger so they can, can you know compete. But I do feel like having to play the story missions over and over again to uh, get better equipment in order to take on the survival and uh, the raid stuff is a little bit off-putting. I think that people may play some of the story missions and then be like, okay, well, I have to keep grinding away at these. I'm just going to forget the rest of this stuff and just leave kind of Legends behind. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't think this is going to, say, replace anyone's Call of Duty experience or it's not going to take Steven away from... Um, Oh, I, Steven, I can't. What's the name of the Apex? Yeah, Apex. This is not going to replace anyone's other online experiences. I feel like a lot of people are going to jump in and do a few stories and then just kind of give up on it. But uh, as far as the presentation goes, it's it's great. It's actually really fun. And I just kind of wish that the survival and the raid stuff was open a little earlier than just say, hey, you got to go through the story missions pretty much on bronze, silver, and then some gold and kind of get to a point where you can open up the challenge to these. Yeah, and all of that's tied to loot too. Um, you you the higher the difficulty and the better you do, the better loot you get, which will unlock those higher tiers. So it's it's very much a mix and match of a bunch of different types of of online games. So, um, the I I do know that uh, other the other half of dual screens, Andy, um, he was huge into it. He played it for like two straight months. So if you need a, a partner to run some things with. Uh, you can reach out to him. I'm sure he'll play with you. Most excellent. Uh, and one of the really cool things about it is, is once, like, say you're playing as the samurai because there are four classes, and one of the trophies is you have to get every la- every class to level 20. But once you go through and unlock a certain item, uh, like a sword or a ghost weapon or a charm, once you unlock that to use with with your one character, you can use it for any character. So my playthrough with the samurai, I've unlocked all these different things and I can equip them to any hunter I play as or any assassin I play as. So you don't have to like, it's not like starting from zero. You can ass- you can be level zero with say a ronin and then attach all these charms and your key is immediately like 70 or 80. So you'll be able to tackle some of the more challenging stuff. So that definitely was, that's definitely a great thing about it. And um, yeah, I just wish that they opened up stuff a little bit more at the beginning so that you could kind of bounce back and forth between the modes as opposed to doing, going through one farming experience and stuff and then go moving on to the next ones. But, you know, as far as um, I, I think, I feel like with the game modes they included, if it makes sense within Goshishima. They did a great job of letting everyone finish, you know, putting out the single player and then months and months later putting out the co-op stuff. You know, you can argue that, hey, you know, at some point, you know, do you lose your audience by releasing it, you know, October, November when all these other games are coming out? You know, is it too far after people have played Goshishima for people to come back? That may prove an issue, but I do like how they let everyone get through the single player and then release the co-op mode to let people, you know, focus on one or the other. So I think that was a really good idea. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, re- I hope people give legend legend a shot. If you haven't played it, go back and play it. Uh, but understand that you're not going to be able to access everything from the get go. You're going to have to work for it, which unfortunately may deter some people, but it's definitely worth a play. And it's a lot of fun. And you know, as Steven said, Andy got deep into it and, uh, you know, having chats with Andy and having Andy here on the show, I trust Andy's game judgment as, as far as that stuff goes, He's a big Mega Man fan. So I, I have a lot of trust in Andy and his opinion. <laughs> 
So, Levi, you know, you talk about all these games you're playing, you're the big games, you're playing the Fallout games, you're playing you're playing the base Skyrim. Sir, I don't know how you're planning to win Be Legit, be the top of the mountain, playing all these big, huge open world games, sir. Uh, perhaps you can kind of tell me if that's in your strategy or if you're just kind of letting other people shine. No, there's there's no chance of it. Um, and there's far more. RPGs will be my main thing this year. Like, I've got to finish the Witcher series, so I've just played Witcher 1, loved it. So I've got to do two. I've got to do three. Um, immediately after finishing those, I'll be playing Disco Elysium. Um, I'm doing Xenoblade Chronicles. No, no, there there will be months where I might not log a game, but I, you know I don't care. I'm I don't qual- I can't win anyway. You know I, I don't qualify for uh, you know the the uh, the gifts at the end. So, but I just love to see everybody in there having fun. But these these RPGs have really become my thing. Well, this is, I mean, a great community thing that you've done, and you've talked about how there's more interest in the second season of, or the second year of Be Legit. So kind of just, you know, I know you wanted to update everyone on the scores and just talk about the competition, but, you know, what, what are some of the recent changes you've made? You know, you've had retro games asked for in consideration and everything. You've changed the scoring as far as it goes to the Telltale games. So just, I mean, this is kind of your chance to kind of clear up anything about Be Legit or just really talk about anything you want to. Well, thank you for that. But uh, yes, it, it has taken off. We've actually doubled in numbers. We went from uh, 12 people to, I think we've got 26, I think, total. Um, it's just, it's on a it's on a whole nother level this year, just the excitement, everyone getting engaged and playing. Um, first month, we, we broke every record, um, individual records, group records, and average records. So not just because we have more people, we have more people playing more games. So, for example, uh, last year, our record was 3.3 games per person in a month. We did that last July. Um, We broke it. We have 3.6 games reported per person in January. Now, I only have 21 people that has submitted me their numbers, but 76 games beat between those 21 people. So that's two records beat, the total and the average. And then, of course, Corey came in with 21 points, which is double what the previous record was. Uh, I don't know whether everybody knows, but and maybe I shouldn't share this, but Corey, he's, he's temporarily out of work. Um, I know it's a temporary thing, so I, I don't mind. I don't think I'm putting him on the spot making that public. But uh, he's he has taken this month and has just absolutely crushed it. Um, like this morning, for example, he updated. He had 19. He updated two more. He's apparently played, um, oh, what is it's the It's the game I play with my niece. It's the Switch game where you're a little world builder, animal something. Oh, Animal Crossing New Horizons? Animal Crossing, that's correct. So he has beat that, um, and that was a two-point game, which, yes, that is one of our updates. So last year, I had people, they weren't complaining. But, for example, I was encouraging someone to play Witcher 1 at one point, and they said, well... Um, I would like to, but I'm I'm trying to win the Be Legit, and that's just a really long game. Well, I, I understand. And then that's I had that same conversation with somebody else about six months later, and I thought, well, you know, I don't want to discourage people from playing these games, and I think, you know, 
for these people that are investing all these hours in these Xenoblade games and The Witcher and these extremely long games, they should probably get a little extra kick. So I thought about doing like brackets and having, you know, seven hours as a point, you know, 15 hours, two point, 25, three, 50 plus four points. And I, I just said, we're going to keep it simple. If it breaks, if it's 20 hours or more, you get a second point. So we've got the one point games, we got the two point games. So anyway, the Animal Crossing game, that was of course a two, which bumped him up from 19 to 21. That's that's one adjustment we made was, and I think for the better, for the, for the people that are playing the extremely long games in the RPGs, they get a second point. But the other uh, slight change we made is, it's, it's not a hard and fast rule anymore. Um, I found, as far as the time frame goes, it's it's not eight hours. We lowered it to seven. And exceptions can be made. And here's why. I found that a lot of the website we use, howlongtobeat.com, a lot of the retro games, which I love and I enjoy. I'm a retro gamer. I've made that quite public. A lot of those games, the times being logged on that site are speedrunners. So, for example... The two that I, I approved this week, Desert Strike, which lists as, I think, 4.5 hours, and then Donkey Kong Country, which lists, I think, at 4 or 5, somewhere in that range. You would be hard-pressed to convince me. And the other one, I'm sorry, was Contra 3, Alien Wars. You would be hard-pressed to convince me that those three games are not legitimate video games. Now, th those are not rat plats. The only reason they're falling short on the time on the website is because you've got those are speedrunner games. Everybody knows Contra is a big speedrunner game. Um, I didn't know Donkey Kong Countries were, but apparently they are. You know these these games. Uh, I don't I don't think actually Desert Strike is, but I love the Desert Strike and Urban Strike. I love those games back for Sega Genesis. They are very challenging, and you know if you if you play one of these games and it falls short, something from the nineties, message me about that. Um, let's, let's take a look at those. And I've even got, um, Tricky and Yield and, and JT. They, they're kind of like my little, um, advisory, especially for games that I don't know that I've never played. Maybe they can give me a pointer and say, you know, Hey, but the point is we want to weed out the, the rat plats and stuff. We, we don't want what happened last year in the backlog beatdown to happen. You know, that's, that's the, that was the whole purpose of the be legit. We, we don't want somebody coming in, racking up 20 points in a day off 30 minute rat plats. You know, as as long as we can avoid that, you know, we're we're not going to beat you up. We're going to get you a point. And I did I did confirm with Levi that playing Battletoads in the NES still only gets you one point, regardless of how hard that game is. Yeah, it's it's not going to get. Would you request twenty? And we negotiated one point in a handshake. I think I said fifty, but yes, I clearly lost those negotiations really badly. Uh, <laughs> I do appreciate Levi because one of the things that happened last year was that you know JT you know didn't do anything wrong, but played a lot of the Telltale games over and over again to to get points. And you did change that rule this year where you was that you can only play three Telltale games or something like that. I forget exactly what it was. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, actually, I don't think JT did it like a lot. I think it was one month he did it. Like when he set the record, the the previous record before it was broken today, was ten games in a month, which is still astronomical. I think five of those were like uh, Telltale games, which, and it's not just the fact that um, they'll play without you being there. Um, it's just 
the difficulty. We we try to look at the difficulty of games too, um, when deciding if something's something's legit. Say, if I've got I'm looking at two six hour games, how long to beat says six hours. One of those games is the original Resident Evil two for PlayStation One. And the other one is just some game that you can just easy as breathing. You know, one will probably get approved. The Resident Evil game will get approved while the other is not, even though they list it the same hours. We try to take difficulty into the equation, but we're we're not being we're not being hard asses on this thing. If you if you've beat a good game, we're going to count it as a point. The point is to have fun. But we really had fun this month. We've we just we just flat tore it up. So we've we've had a blast. I'll actually give us a rundown on the top ten. Not going to read off twenty some people, but I'll give you the top ten. So Corey, twenty one. We've got Ponder Stibbins. I don't know his actual name. He's one of CJ's guys that came over from Push to Plat. He joined through the Patreon. He had he heard about Be Legit on. I, it, it was one of y'all's podcasts. I, I don't remember. It may it may have been Trophy Horse. It may have been uh, Push to Plat. I can't remember. But he, he didn't use Facebook, but he just loved the idea of, of the whole Be Legit contest. And uh, he wanted what he could do to join. I said, well, you'll, you'll have to make a Facebook. I said, that's, that's the only fair way. That's how we track everything. We, we post screenshots, the games we beat. We do the updates each month. So there's, there's going to be no way around it. But he wanted to join so bad, he caved and he went ahead and made a Facebook and put you know a fake name on there, Fonder Stibbins. But he's just flat burning it up, and it's all retro. Not well, not all, but he's got nine points, puts him in second place. I think seven of those nine points were retro games, so he he is just smashing through them. He's he's got a great palette, a diverse palette. He plays everything. I'd like to meet this guy or talk to him more because he's he he loves a lot of the same stuff I do. But third place is a tie between the Kraken, Tricky, and CJ. They both got five points. And then let's see, fifth place is a tie between a tie between six of us. So we all have four each. It's me, T Bird, Gareth Davis, Yield, Matthew Malden, and Homer gets duffed. So we've all got four. And then there's a whole host of people that's tied, you know, for eleventh through like sixteenth. They've all got like three points each. So it was a heck of a show out this month. I'm I'm really excited. Hopefully, hopefully Corey dials it down a little bit. I don't want, I don't want people I was gonna to say, get discouraged. Whoever, whoever had bets on Corey winning is is going to win a lot of money in Vegas. I'll say that, at least as it looks now. I was the person that put the bet on him, but um, yeah, I mean, even say I don't want people to get discouraged. Because look at it this way, uh, as far as the prizes go, even second place gets just as much money as first place got last year. So, you know, second, third place, we might even throw in a fourth place prize. Uh, don't get discouraged because Corey is going out and killing it. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll regain employment soon and he might have months. He can only get one or two. So hang in there and, and keep fighting. Even if you don't win, it's not about winning. It's about everybody joining in there. You know, there's no entry, there's no entry fee. So it doesn't matter if you win. It's about everybody coming in, coming together and having fun. And so far we're doing it. So keep up the great work, everybody. And we never know how de- desperate Tricky's going to get with all the the rat platinum he he wants to get. Although I guess he wouldn't get credit for those. But uh, we we don't he need slipped Tricky getting... one by me. He slipped one by me. Uh, well, we don't need Tricky getting bragging rights by by placing in this. So everyone do do your work and and cre- keep Tricky out of that top four. 
Well, right now, right now, yeah, he's he's tied for third. Uh, Tricky's a player so far. Well, you know, I'll say that uh, the PlayStation Plus games for February are definitely, I think, giving you know people some good games to play. Hopefully, some that they'll add to their their be legit total. Uh, Levi, I know that you said that you were uh, pretty happy with this list, and and I am as well. Um, but uh, coming from the PlayStation blog, your PlayStation Plus games for February are Destruction All-Stars for the PlayStation 5, uh, Control Ultimate Edition, both for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, and then Concrete Genie for the PlayStation 4. So I'd, I'd say a pretty good lineup there. Well, I, I think it is, and I'm happy because I'm not one of the ones that got suckered into buying the, the DLC. And actually, about six months ago, Maybe even eight months ago when the second Control DLC released. Um, CJ was razzing me real hard. It was on a podcast. It was He was on, I think it was a Loot Bros podcast. And uh, I somehow, you know, I'm just not willing to pay all this money for these DLCs, these, these companies they keep releasing. And, and he had a good point. You know, they're, they're making more content. They should be paid for it. But I also had a good point. And I said, look, it was 25 for the for the newest one and then it was $15. Oh no, it was 20 for the for the older DLC or you could buy them both together for $40. So look, I'm not dropping that $40. I said in in 6 months, you know, at least a year there will be some definitive edition where you can buy the game and the DLC for for probably 29.99, So hell, they might even be a PS Plus game. They'll be free and you'll have the DLC too. And sure enough, um six eight months later they were free um so i just can't justify buying all of these dlcs especially for these playstation games when one they're they're gonna be in a a ultimate edition or a final edition and two they might be free so i i just can't buy these dlcs i'm, I'm just not gonna do that so is is levi has has basically uh alluded to uh and 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 feeding more into the mantra of just wait till it's free on playstation plus there has been controversy surrounding around control and and especially since it's been announced for february as a free game so uh i'm gonna read a little bit from an ign article uh, by joe scrabbles last year control's publisher caused controversy by announcing that only control unlimited or ultimate edition a newly released version of the game would receive a free upgrade from current gen to next gen uh, with the current gen version of the Ultimate Edition released last year and the next gen version subsequently delayed to, into 2021, many seemingly paid for the game with a view to waiting to upgrade and play the next game, next gen version later. Compounded the problem, Ultimate Edition for PS4 was recently discounted to the, on the PS Store, leading to more players buying the game in order to secure a next gen upgrade. Of course, uh, the problem with that now, uh, and that's that's the end of the quote there. They but, just gave it away. Yeah, they have announced now, after discounting the game on the store, they have now announced it's going to be free um, on, including the, both, again, both of the Ultimate Editions for the 4 and the 5 are going to be free as a February PlayStation Plus game. And then, of course, this brings up, I asked Tricky, you know, Tricky and I talked about this with Yield on the show uh, last month, when they announced Maneater for, the, for January and that they were going to be refunding people who paid for it, you know, just uh, a week or so earlier when it was discounted on the store, which, I mean, is the right thing to do. But I asked if they were opening Pandora's box, and here we have people asking now, well, I bought Control that was discounted on the store, and then now you announce that it's a PlayStation Plus free game. You know, what am I going to get a refund for this? So you have people now asking for refunds for Control because they bought the game while it was discounted, and here we are, lo and behold, it's free. Well, I, I don't think they should get a refund. 
I mean, I, I think it's bad luck. It's bad timing. Um, but a lot of this is you paying this $25 for this DLC. You pay that because you want to be the first people to play it. Uh, not because it'll never be cheaper or not because it'll never be free. Same with these, I'm not going to call them nutty people, but these people that are willing to pay $1,200 for a PlayStation 5. They understand that in six months, they'll be able to buy that thing for four or $500. They get it. But they're still willing to pay $1,200 to play the one or two games that's available upon immediate release. So you have to accept that part of what you're paying for is the immediate satisfaction of being able to play that game. So no, I don't think they should get any type of refund, even though it was inconvenient timing on the PS Plus. That's my thoughts. I th- I think it's it, the the refund is is justifiable when you drop a sale like less than ten days away from pu- putting the game out for free. I think that's that's w- the reason a lot of those uh, refunds had happened because they did this. They made a big pomp and circumstance about the sale, like oh you could buy Control right now for twenty three ninety nine whatever the hell it was, and then I think it was twelve days later you're giving it away for free. So like. I can understand that. It's kind of like the bait and switch in a way. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the whole DLC thing. I, I don't buy any DLC. Um, I like to play a game and, and you know, as you could tell, I don't beat a lot of games. <laughs> so um, when they have DLC out for those games, I, I barely touch them because I've never really finished the core story. So I never fell for that, but yeah. No, I, was just like, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but and I'll let you get back to what you're saying, but let me let me make a point, and maybe you all can can correct me. As most know, I, I took 11 years off from gaming, so how a lot of this works, I don't know. But say when the sell happened, we'll say 10 days before, that sell is basically pushed by Remedy. Remedy has decided they they want to sell some more games. Um, they've discounted their price. Uh, Remedy has made some sales. When it goes free, that is then that is not Remedy. That is PlayStation has decided. Okay, we're willing to pay Remedy X amount of dollars to um, list this game for free. So really, the issue. Tell me if I'm wrong. The issue is not with Remedy. People's issue is with the way PlayStation handled this. Correct? No, because PlayStation has those deals months and months in advance. Um, so the remedy knew that this was going to be the February game for a long time ago. So whether or not PlayStation or remedy or decided that it was going to go on sale is kind of irrelevant. They all knew that it was going to be the PS plus game for February. Um, and typically what, what will happen is PlayStation will send out, say, Hey, we're running a flash sale. Uh, if you want to discount your game, go in, log in, change the price, whatever. Um, and it's, and it's on a timer. So it was most likely just, Hey, we're running a flash sale on um, the, these dates. I understand get in your on point it. a little better than I, I can definitely see you've, you've got an argument in these people. I can see they have an argument then if, if that's how it works. So yeah, yeah. it just, it just seems like a, like kind of like a cheap way to just get a couple bucks, but like PlayStation, they've always refunded this kind of thing because it's kind of like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Um, because the flash sales are really up to the developers um, if they want to discount their games. And the same thing happens on on uh, Switch. You'll notice a lot a lot of that will happen where games will go down to like a dollar or like two dollars. And then they'll they'll rise to the very top of the top sellers list because they're a dollar, not because they're good. 
Yeah. Um, and that's a cheap way of getting your game for one week, getting massive sales so that it sits at the top for the rest of the month. Um, and then you put it back to normal price. So they actually stopped that. Now games no less than $4 can be can count towards the the best sellers of the month. Ah. Um, Nintendo wound up doing that. So like they, there's it, it's always been happening, but yeah, it's it's a way for them to say, hey, well, let's let's get some people to buy the game, you know, whatever. Uh, these rarely these PS Plus things rarely happen quickly. They're they're usually months and months and months uh, go by where they're going to plan something like that out. That's why it's almost too perfect sometimes when a game will come out on plus and it'll be like, oh man, yeah. And the next one's coming out in two months or, you know, oh, and they have DLC coming out in, in, you know, three weeks. Like it's always timed perfectly. Um, and it's because it's always on, it's always done. Nego- negotiations are always done pretty far in advance. Ah, and gotcha. just as a PSA to anyone looking to get the ultimate edition for the PS4 or the PS5, uh, another quote, uh, here from the article by Joe Scrubbles, uh, to add to the problems, Remedy subsequently announced that save files from the last gen versions of Control could not be carried over to the next gen ultimate edition, meaning that those who start the game on their old consoles will need to start entirely on their PS5 or Xbox series console. Uh, Remedy's continued communications director explained the version, that version of our engine in the next gen control is way different to the version used in the previous gen control. Long story short, a lot of the changes and things like how we handle data, uh, in a separate tweet, he added that safe file transfer would not be added in a future patch. Essentially, if you're going to start the game on the PS4 ultimate edition, finish it on your PS4. And if you're going to, st- and if not, if you want to play on the five, just either be willing to start it completely over or just wait to play it on your five. That that's why that that game, I started that on PS4 and I just got so angry with that video game. Um, their checkpoint systems are trash, um, so I stopped playing it. And but now that it's going to be a plus, I'm I'm more likely to start it over, especially with the much quicker load times on PS5 and all that stuff. So I'm I'm probably much more likely to start it over on PS5 anyway with all the DLC. So we'll see. That's not I'm not counting that as a uh, finish the damn game. That's a backlog accountability club for me. And for those of you with a PlayStation 5, if you're if you're looking forward to playing um, Contrast, the Ultimate Edition on your 5, there is, you know, one of the games in particular that I'm looking forward to is Returnal. Unfortunately, though, we got some bad news. Uh, not too bad. In fact, not as bad as it could have been. But Returnal has been delayed until April 2021. That's about a month, a month and a half from its previous date. But uh, this, the news coming from IGN and Adam Bankhurst, one of our favorites, Adam Bankhurst, uh, essentially that the game has been delayed from March 19th to April 30th, 2021, and uh, basically just for extra polish. Um, they just want to make the game better in, before they release it. So uh, given the things that we've seen in the past um, past six months, any any added polish is great. The fact that they're only delayed a month. Not too much longer of a wait, and you know, Housemark is a studio. They've moved away from arcade style games and are moving into, I guess, you know, something more like you know, the, more the AAA big budget games like you see Returnal seems to be. So uh, I have faith that Housemark can can get this right and you know add the polish they need to and release a really good game. Uh, Steven, did you put the note about it being a roguelike in the, in the uh, notes? That was me. That was me that did that. Um, I didn't realize you could see what I typed in there. But that's my question, because I I had never heard of it. I looked it up when I saw it in the notes, and I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Goodness, this is this makes me want to go buy a PS5." This this is like um, um, it was it almost it was like Control meets Mass Effect meets Half Life. Was like this is this is glorious. But then when I 
there was nothing about it that seemed roguelike, but when I pulled up the description, it was listed as a roguelike. And my understanding of roguelikes is it's one of those things where normally it's like in a dungeon crawler, and when you die, you go back to the start. Is that a was that a typo on the Sony site, or is this truly a roguelike? So yeah, the the, the description in, from the article is that. Uh... It's a roguelike third-person shooter that sees you play as Astra Space Scout Selene as she's stuck in a constant loop of resurrection. So, I mean, it's, it's a gameplay mechanic, um, and it's just kind of, uh, like with many roguelikes, it's going to be procedurally generated um, to give you a different experience every time. So, it's not it's not roguelike like I picture a dungeon call like um, the game I'm playing right now, Hades. It's It's not that type of roguelike. I mean that that's that's sort of where the rogue situation comes from. It's when when you you when you die, you come back to the beginning, but you have a new set of skills or something with you that you take and and the way they were putting it in this gameplay is that she's stuck in a time loop. So whenever she ends, it's like live die repeat that that movie uh Edge of Tomorrow. Right, yeah. So she's taking the information and using that and using the technology and using um, all of the abilities that she's upgrading over time. And she's going forward through that with, with those abilities and, and the, and the um, to get further and further away. Cause she's trying to escape this planet. I, th- I believe that's, that's the whole thing she's trying to escape, but she's basically stuck in the deepest part of hell basically on, on this planet. So it's all about doing that. Um, there, the one thing I do want to make sure that people understand about this game, like if you haven't seen, the the housemark podcast that they've been doing these little mini podcasts they're like 10 minutes long they're on playstation 5 they're also on youtube um this game is very very housemark um it, it, it the combat is so fast and and arcadey and and crazy it's way less of your dead space kind of deliberate combat this is more of like a flow of like a bayonetta or something like that it's way 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 more arcadey and chaotic and that's where like the dna of who house mark is is really going to shine in this thing so yeah it's it's your it's your triple a polished you know third person action game but they're really upping the ante on the frantic action of of what what they're known to be to have done they're just translating into a 3d world um and it just it looks fantastic. I, I I salivate every time I see this game. I just look at it, and, and I don't. And I'm not a big roguelite person, um, and roguelike person because I need sense of accomplishment, and I need it pretty instantly. Like if I finish something, I want to know that I'm that I'm improving, and I want to know that I'm moving forward in a linear way. Um, but the way this game kind of lays it out, as far as what I've seen so far, is it is linear. You are moving forward. But you're going back to the kind of like this, the beginning of the escape and trying to get further and further out of the escape. Um, but as you're doing it, you're like in, in Hades, you're unlocking more story beats as you get a little bit further and further and further. And so things and no matter how many times you die, something is still happening because your character is still learning and it still is dying with you. Like it, it she is experiencing what you're experiencing. So it's it's pretty cool the way the way they're doing. It. I can I, I want to see more of it and and yeah, if they got to polish this thing, polish it up, man. Like I don't care how long it takes. I want good games when they come out. I don't want games that are going to crash and burn and 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 have disjointed mechanics and stuff like that. Just fix it, make sure it's good, cr- crush those bugs and give it to, to me. To be fair, considering that they're only delaying it a month and April's not that far away considering we're in end of January, the game must be pretty close to done. So they're just kind of like you said polishing bugs and stuff at this point. So yeah, Levi, does that does that get you? Uh, does that answer it does. your question? 
I didn't realize, of course, you can't always tell from a trailer, you know, what exactly the gameplay is going to be like. I didn't realize it was that fast pace of like a, what'd you compare it to, Bayonetta? Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's like, it's more of like a shooty version of that. Like, if you check out their podcast, um, I, f- I think it's called Housemark Cast, I think is what it's called. Um, if you look that up, you could see they, they go a little bit more into how the gameplay works. It's much more frantic and and action oriented it's it's kind of like i would say it is like control but way like control turned up to 11 i gotcha that's what it looks like to me yeah i said because you know they've got that uh the like the her power-ups that jesse faden had where she does the like the, the dash and the shooting a lot of that was a lot like control but i i didn't really catch that it was extremely fast paced. So it is it might have some similarities, but it does not sound like it's gonna be anything like a real control type of game. And it's probably a much different experience, like a different roguelike experience than anyone else has provided before. Because I don't know, has there ever been a roguelike that's three D like this? Yeah, there there's definitely been been some that have been three D. Um uh I'll I'll get names names will come to me. I try I tend to like avoid roguelites but it's um there there have been some well before. traditionally like um, when you think of roguelike you think spelunky like that's the traditional style of roguelike that people think like and you know even something like i mean i think rogue itself was 3d i mean it was a 2d in 3d kind of kind of thing it was like one of those first person rpg games back in the day on the on the pc um where it changed all the time and you know all the layouts changed but you know this is the, I think the thing that's going to make this game really stand out is the fact that it is going to be a a perfect blend of really what what Housemark is really known for, which is their frantic gameplay. It's going to blend what Sony's known for, which is their storytelling in and their production values, and it's going to have what is really hot right now in gaming, which is the roguelite, which is the new experience. Every time you you go forward, you're going to get something new, something different, something something exciting. And they're kind of blending this into this beautiful package. Um, the only thing that I'm worried about is that it's going to suffer from launch window syndrome, where it's kind of like a one trick pony, like uh, like Godfall. Um, Godfall is like one of the more beautiful games I think I've ever played, but the game is boring as hell. And but it's got so much, so many different things you could unlock and whatever, but they're all the same. Everything you unlock is the same. And I, and I hope this doesn't fall into that trap. I hope the combat is engaging enough. I hope the story is engaging enough. Um, that it looks like the story is going to be great because like I said, you're learning about this world as your character is progressing, dying, going back and then going through again and seeing new different, different monsters, different areas, different, different ways to get, get around the world, different powers to, to, to mess with different technology to mess with. I think this is going to be a, a huge hit, a huge hit for Sony. Um, barring it doesn't fall, fall short of just not being robust enough. Like those order 1886 and, and Godfall type games. Yeah. And Steven, like you, I'm salivating over this game. I've, I've said it, you know, month on basically since it was revealed that this is a game that I've got my eye on, uh, especially as I look to buy a PlayStation five, you know, in the next year or so, but, uh, going from a game that Steven and I are salivating over to a game that tricky is most definitely salivating over. And I guess, you know, yield to, uh, Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga. We got some unfortunate news about this. Although I don't really know how much it's really going to actually affect people's enjoyment of the game. Uh, this comes from thedirect.com and it's written by Tom Drew. Essentially that it's going – that uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is going to be missing some key next-gen features at launch. 
And uh, just very quickly, um, the article basically talks about in an interview um, how like how the Traveler's Tales picked up the um, uh, or how they picked the scenes from the movie and from the saga that were going to go into the game. So just kind of their their thoughts on that and their their creative process. You definitely go give it a read. Uh, but basically, um, at launch. The uh, ray tracing, dual sense support, and 3D audio will not be supported on the PlayStation 5. The console, the console will be able to make use of its improved uh, solid-state drive for quick load times, likely suggesting that the Xbox Series X and S will be able to do the same. Um, they did say they didn't say uh, they, you know who knows at some point in the future this stuff may come, but there's also no promise of it either. Um, so I mean, to me, the Lego games, do you you know? Would it be nice to have, you know, lighting effects and, and, and the improved lighting that comes with ray tracing? Sure. But is it something that really is going to affect your experience? I, I, to me, it's not the reason that people play Lego games. Like, the Lego games don't need to look their absolute best when it's got, like, what, uh, this game's supposed to have over 300 unlockable characters. Like, that's not really what the Lego games are about. No. I just, I think they want the review score on this. Um I think they want to showcase next gen hardware and they want to get the review score um, because these Lego games, they, they, they have a huge cult following, but I feel like they haven't really cracked what the mainstream gamer, like the mainstream hardcore gamers um, don't typically latch onto the Lego star Wars game or the Lego games in general, because you, you look at them and you think, Oh, they're children's games, easy platinums, whatever. Um, I'll play it with my kid or I'll play it with my, my niece and nephews, whatever, or, you know, stuff like that. But if you slap a 9.5 out of 10, and a nine out of 10 and say, this makes, this is one of the best uses of, of the next gen hardware. You've got to try this thing out like Astrobot or, you know, what Ratchet and Clank is likely to do. All of a sudden this game is going to be, a, have a lot more weight when it comes to pushing units and, and, uh, expanding its base, uh, r- rather quickly. And it'll look, it'll be, and it's going to be a, a look good for PS5. So, um, I think that's what this all has to do with. This is less about, oh, do we really need to do this? Uh, no, you don't need to, but it's going to be a, make the damn, it's going to make next gen look damn good. Well, and the thing about the Lego games is I feel like, you know, your enjoyment of any one single Lego game or series is how much you enjoy the IP. You know, if you really like Pirates of the Caribbean, then you'll probably like Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. But also I feel like if you've played one Lego game, you kind of played them all. Um, yes, they can add more people in. They can give you tons of characters and locales to play in. But, you know, th- them saying, hey, this game is going to have hundreds of unlockable characters – all I see in that is, man, this game is going to be a real grind, and I don't really want to tackle that, to be perfectly honest. It's least not in a Lego game, so. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Steven is right in that, that the the look of the Lego games definitely won't appeal to all people. You know, someone who's like, oh, I want to play Bloodborne, or hey, I want to call a du- play Call of Duty, may not necessarily attach to this because they look at it and say, that's a game for children, or that's a game that people play with their, their kids, so. Yeah, it's not terrible news, I don't think, because quite frankly, like I said, the, the Lego games don't need to be, they don't need to be top tier visually uh, or use all the bells and whistles to, to grab people's attention. The people, the reason that people play these games is for the, um, the basically the labor of love, the basically attention detail and the fan service. And I feel like this game is going to have fan service at the wazoo. And in the end, that's what's going to make people happy playing it. You know, the Lego games, as Steven talked about, a cult, a huge cult following. We go to another game, Rocket League, which has moved from a cult following into very much a mainstream appeal. We know that it went free to play last year. We've had Levi on um, certain Thursdays to play the game with us. Uh, the newest season, it launched in um, 
It launched in December, uh, runs, I think, until March. We still got about six days left in the current season of, uh, of Rocket League, the second season. Uh, very much a music-themed season. They released a, a new um, arena, the Neon Fields, which unfortunately has caused some issue for people who are photo or light sensitive. Uh, this article comes from IGN. is written by Jordan Ullman. Uh, Rocket League adding visual options to new arena for some uh, players uh, after some players report uh, seizures. So uh, basically, um, they've had people complain um, in early January. The loadout reported on a neon-soaked new arena, noting that it was potentially causing seizures in some players using um, psionics uh, user uh, psionics. Tr- I cannot say that name. Does any, do either of you have this article up? I can. Uh, Psionics is trying to kill me. Uh, sorry, I got there. Made a post on the official Rocket League subreddit, which stated, I am epileptic and the new map has given me seizures. I've tried complaining on Psionics support and tweeting at them. Got no real answers. Then pretty much, oops, sorry. So I made a Reddit and hopefully my voice is heard here. The Reddit post gained some traction. And uh, based on the feedback, Psionics has made the decision... <laughs> Um, uh, based on recent player feedback, we've become aware that the effect and lighting in neon fields can negatively impact the game experience for some players. The blog post reads, uh, this is from Rocket League blog, uh, following the update, players will be able to change the setting to default or low. Um, so basically, uh, I can confirm that tweeting at the psionics, um, Twitter account will get you nowhere because I've tweeted them before and they've said nothing. Uh, but I'm definitely glad to see that this has gained some traction, uh, whether you know it's posted on Reddit or whatever, because uh, obviously this is a consideration for a lot of people. You know, people who are epileptic or have issue you know with photosensitivity or light sensitivity to obviously still be able to play this game. I Neon Fields is a beautiful you know uh, arena, but at the same time, all the strobe effects and everything like that can obviously cause some issues for some people. So the fact that they were able to make this change. For you know, to accommodate everyone and make the experience more enjoyable for you know everyone, uh, accessibility is a huge thing these days. And the more accessible you can make your game to everyone, the better. So this is a good move by Sonics. Uh, wish it had happened a little sooner because uh, I know that this person, obviously this this person who originally posted, felt like they were kind of you know ignored or just kind of shrugged off by Sonics. But uh, the fact that Sonics is actually taking care of it has shown that they they are willing to listen to the to the uh, the people who play their game. So it's. As a you know, a company that has always supported their game with free content, they they seem to have always done by right by Rocket League, and it's nice to see that trend continue with this. I don't think this would have happened. Um, I don't think this would have gotten through QA pre-COVID. Um, I feel like accessibility and these kinds of things, which have sort of slipped through, um, this isn't the first place that has had something like this. Uh, I know, um, oh, what game was it had something similar? Oh man, it was something I was playing all the time and now I can't remember, but it was something, a, a new level or something like that. And in some game was causing seizures as well. Um, I think that accessibility and QA are something that kind of suffered in a post COVID world. Um, I, in, in speaking to the developers that I've spoken to over the last eight, nine months, that's sort of where a lot of the biggest cuts have come. Um, because you can't have a staff of 30 people testing your game. You have to trust that they're going to do it from the comfort of their home, how much of their, they're playing, how much of that are, you know, you can't really keep tabs on a lot of that stuff. It was very difficult to get the, that logistically in the hands of a huge Q- QA team. Um, so I, I cannot imagine that this was just, this was something that they shrugged and were like, Oh man. All right. So don't just don't play the level. Um, 
this is probably something that they never intended to happen. They're like, oh shit, yeah, right. Uh, people are epileptic. Um, we should probably tone this down. So they addressed it. And, and, but QA is, th- this was their QA. You know, somebody said, hey, this is causing seizures. Anybody else out there? Oh yeah, yeah. This is causing some issues. Okay, now they know. And they took care of it. And you got to commend them for that. Well, and it's not like, you know, in most games you'll turn on or, you know, I, I feel like a lot of games it'll, you know, say, hey, if you have a, there'll be a warning that comes up before the game starts that it's like, hey, the, you know, if you have light, light, light sensitivity or photosensitivity, then, hey, beware that this can cause some issues. With this game, you know, you, people have been playing this game for years and all of a sudden they throw a field in there that can cause some issues, obviously, because right. the, the right. you know, the tone of it and the, the style of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that they, they took care of it because, I mean, this is the kind of thing people have been playing for years and just kind of catches you completely off guard that you may not have any kind of warning for. So, uh, like Steve and I wish that they would have been caught during QA, but I understand with how many game development studios are disjointed now with people working for home that stuff can slip through the cracks, but they, they've at least righted it um, in this regard. It was uh, Cyberpunk was the one I was thinking of. It was the scene where, the, where you first put on the VR training headset in the car. Um, it does a big, huge white flashing light that was causing people to have seizures. Um, and people were like, Hey, I remember that it was, and, uh, bright it as was hell. yeah. Yeah. And they actually came out afterward and said, we, this is something that would have gotten addressed in QA that unfortunately slipped through the cracks where we apologize. And they, I think they either patched it out or they put in a setting for epilepsy. I forget what it was, but I, when I played it and it happened the first time, I was like, Holy hell, geez. Yeah. That's, that's something. Um, yeah, that, that's what it was. That was the most recent epilepsy thing. So we gotta, we gotta hurry up and finish, finish the show. Cause we, Steven's got some business to take care of, but Steven, I got an idea for, uh, in your future for some of your streams, or if you'd like to post any content on YouTube, uh, a big thing these days, uh, are the reaction videos on YouTube. And I think that you as such an internet celebrity and an influencer could do well to do, um, <laughs> some videos and reactions on our topic of the week, which is. Uh, via their Twitter account, G4 has confirmed the returns of X-Play and Attack of the Show coming this summer. Uh, we don't know anything about hosts, uh, as you know, we know all know that um, like Kevin Pereira and Morgan Webb, um, Olivia Munn, Adam Sessler, some very popular posts from those show or hosts from those shows in the past. We don't really know who's involved with this, although we we do know that uh, Xavier Woods from the WWE. He is going to be – he's been brought onto the G4 team. He does, does a lot of stuff with streaming and game stuff online. So no surprise there. But uh, yeah, how do you guys feel about G4 bringing back Attack of the Show and X-Play? I won't really have anything to input on this one. I've never heard of them. I don't watch the show. So uh, I'll let you two hash the, it uh, that, uh, Yeah, I mean that's, that's – this was – Attack of the Show and G4 were in a time where – the attitude era of wrestling it went into the ruthless aggression era of wrestling and like it was very it was it was cool to be edgy and whatever i just don't know how the spirit of what g4 was is going to translate now in a world where a lot a lot more is under a much bigger microscope um but i'm here for it man i nostalgia sells and it got me like i remember flipping through the channels and seeing i was like wait is that a video game is that a is, this, is that somebody reviewing a video game on my TV right now? I think it was um, San Andreas or something like that. I was like, wait, this is this is something that's happening right now in my on my television. I was like, yeah, I'm bookmarking that channel and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, this is great. Bring it. Let's see what you got. Let's see what kind of content you can get. This is going to be probably a, a much slower rollout, um, more akin to like how the WWE network was when it first came out, where it was like, 
you had three shows to pick from and then as it got more and more popular they they produced more content i hope they have a lot of variety we'll see um but it was a it was a it was such a revolutionary thing it was it was basically like the promise of mtv but for video games you know um, that's what G4 was really all about. Well, I think that they're specifically highlighting these two shows shows exactly what the big problem with G4 TV was. I mean, it was an entire channel with basically two good shows or two shows that most people would want to watch. I mean, they had shows like Cheat, which gave out cheat codes, which nowadays you can just go online and find. Even back then, you could go online and find all yeah. these. And they had like reruns of Cops, which I mean, that really that really doesn't mix in well with x-play and you know like pop culture of attack of the show so i mean it was just a really kind of like a weird channel that never found its footing yeah it had some really popular shows like these two but in the end like the channel couldn't survive because there just wasn't enough like it didn't deserve its own channel so i assume that in the culture now they're going to do a lot of streaming and you know pop culture there's always something to talk about so attack of the show they get the right hosts that could show could be a hit but as far as x-play i mean I don't really pay attention to, to game reviews anymore. I don't. I just play the games that people recommend to me. Um, people like Steven, people, people like Levi, and I play the games that I want to play. So I don't even know if at this point I would watch X play. Like, it's like, yeah, I would turn it on just to see how the show is aged and, you know, who they picked to host and just kind of the general format of the show, but not to kind of piss on it already. But I think this is one of those things that people are going to find that like this show left for a reason like it stopped being a thing for a reason and you know i think it's like hey i'll watch one episode and then nostalgia only carries you so long we'll see i'm gonna give it a try we'll see what happens i mean yeah i mean be optimistic about it but for me i I definitely got into g4 like i watched g4's coverage of e3 back in the day i watched x play every week but i mean now like the audience like you know all three of us you know we find our time to play games but also we have a lot of other responsibilities i don't even have cable at the house we usually do netflix and you know amazon prime and all that so uh it'll be interesting to see if there's still an audience for this or if it's pretty much gonna be driven by nostalgia and just kind of one of those things gonna be quickly flame out i think they will have more success if they're more just internet based as opposed to like a cable television show I think that's where they're going to find their success is being on the internet and Twitch and YouTube and all that. So that's that's where I think they'll find more of a home if you know unless they're you know rather than bringing this back to a full television show. All right, well that is going to bring us to the end of this episode. Before we get out of here and let Stephen be on his merry way to be the internet celebrity that he is to his adoring fans. I want to give some shout outs to uh, everybody who makes this show happen, all of our supporters. So uh, Stephen, how about you go first? You got any shout outs for us this week? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, the reason why I have a hard out is because I'm doing a Fall Guys tournament uh, for um, Able Gamers, uh, which we're raising money for Able Gamers right now. The group uh, that organized the tournament has raised over $1,000 already today. So um, if you want to uh, donate to that, I know you're going to be hearing this later. Um, and I don't know how far the link will be open, but you can go to twitch.tv slash batchild uh, to find all of that stuff. So I'll be doing that. Um I've been streaming five, sometimes six nights a week. Um, Also, we have dual screens uh, going on. We record a show live every Tuesday night um, on twitch.tv slash dual screen streams, where we record uh, dual screens cross play podcast, um, which is all about the gaming news uh, that you need to know about and what we're playing and all that fun stuff. Um, And we also have the dual screens podcast posts every Friday on uh, your audio uh, service, whatever, whatever you want. Uh, We're on everything Um, and and the video version of that podcast goes up on our YouTube, youtube.com slash dual screens tv so you can check all that stuff out shout out to the new twitch order which is uh the group of all these twitch streamers that i'm a part of 
um, that have put together these tournaments to raise money. This is the second charity tournament we've done. Um, the first one was an Apex Legends tournament, um, and we raised a ton of money for for various charities. Uh, this is the first time we're picking just one charity, and all of us are raising money for it. Um, but we're going to continue doing this stuff every, once a month. Um, it is typically the last Sunday of the month, um, so you could follow us over there. Um, there's a ton of us, but yeah, if you want to follow me on on Twitter, I am at Batchild27, and you can follow up whenever we're going to be doing a tournament. Um, you could also follow Billy the Door, who's actually running it um, uh, at on uh, what is it? Twitter.com at Billy the Door. Uh, Levi, sir, your shoutouts. Oh, uh, and I, I don't really have any uh, nothing nothing to plug. Just shout out to all of the people that listen to these podcasts and join in with their backlog beatdowns and our be legits and like you said, shares the recommendations. Um, for me personally, after taking so many years off, what has helped me the most in really getting back into this and broadening, you know, my, my palate, it has been the recommendations, especially from, from people like Kalai. Um, she recommended to me, I bet you 20 games last year and I played all 20 of them and I absolutely loved probably 10 of them at, at least maybe 15 so uh you make a recommendation for me i'm gonna play it so you you guys just keep getting in the groups and the podcasts and listening and engaging with the community uh that's that's my shout out you guys are the best and uh you said that you got you and cj on push the platter looking to do a deep dive anytime any idea when that might be coming out or when you guys are going to record that we are going to record it this coming weekend um, so I think Saturday night, so six days from when we're recording right now. So, um, that one's going to be on the medium. We are also supposed to be doing one on the Half-Life series this year. So that, that should come out probably, I don't know about, I would hope mid- mid-year. I'm just waiting on him to finish those. That's of course my favorite game series of all time is Half-Life. But, uh, yeah, and we might even do a Mass Effect. He's committed to playing Mass Effect, so. But, yeah, I like I like doing deep dives on, on games, especially especially the newer games. I think it would be good, you know, good content for you podcasts um, that are really trying to trying to get more viewers and more listeners. I think if, if you've got the latest stuff, the you know, and, and getting hits on that, I think it can really help. So I would like to see, you know, each of the main three or four podcasts I follow do, you know, four or five deep dives a year of, of whatever the latest games are. I, I think it would be great for everyone involved. And I just love, even if I'm not a part of it, I love listening to deep dives of, of new release video games and the old games too. Yeah. It's unfortunate that PG Spores is kind of, kind of flamed out because that was the perfect avenue for it. But uh, who knows? Maybe it just takes one person to revive that. But uh, yeah, in the coming weeks, look for CJ and uh, Levi's deep dive on Medium, uh, newer release. So I'm sure that a lot of people are looking forward to that. Want to hear everything about that game? If you're sitting on the fence, um, hopefully they can give you the insight that uh, that you need to push you over that fence and make it a purchase. 
All right. And for my shout outs, first of all, as always, I want to thank the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horse. Thank you all for continuing to support the show. You are a livelihood, our lifeblood. You all uh, continue to support us and listen and just recommend us. That's what allows us to expand upward and outward. It's what uh, continues to uh, drive us to continue to do the show, to make the show better for you all. Uh, so thank you uh, for not only you know supporting the show by listening, but also sharing with everyone else uh, and bringing new listeners into Trophy Horse Nation. Give a shout out to uh, Levi and Steven for joining me tonight. Uh, Yield and Tricky couldn't be here, uh, but uh, as always, a great episode with Steven and great hearing uh, Levi just... Looking forward to his take on the medium uh, and his deep dive with CJ, but also uh, an update on the Be Legit. Uh, and again, Be Legit is a great thing for the community. Like like Levi said, they've doubled their participation this year and the, the competition is fierce. Um, so uh, very appreciative of Levi coming on, but also appreciative of Levi and what he's doing for the community in the Be Legit. Uh, shout out to Yield and Tricky as always. Shout out to Homer for his uh, arranging of the... Uh, Rocket League Thursday nights and shout out to Gareth Davis for joining us um, for last week's uh, Rocket League session. Gareth, you are always welcome to join us. So just let us know whenever you can play. I know that your time zones kind of play hectic because you were up late playing with us last Thursday, uh, but you're welcome to join anytime you want, sir. Uh, and give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley. Uh, I love you, honey. That is going to bring us to the end of this episode, episode 464 of Trophy Yours. Thank you all for listening as always. And until next week, happy trophy hunting. song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines. Alright folks, one last bit of business here before we close down shop for the night. And for the week, you know how we do at the end of the show? We clean this shit up. Now, we love interacting with you all, and we want to hear more from you guys, more questions, more topics you all want to share for the show that we can talk about. So, in cocktail. So you can contact us in a couple of different ways. We don't really use Twitter a ton. We all have Twitter accounts, but it's not something we regularly use. So the best way is either email, which is trophyhors at provengamer.com, or our Facebook page. The group is for the Trophy Horse podcast, and that's where we post questions for you guys. That's where we post memes, articles, funny pictures, stuff from our lives, uh, and it's where you guys can interact with us. You can you know insert polls. You can ask us questions for the show. Oftentimes, we'll you know recruit questions from you guys for the show in our Facebook group. So really, those are the two best ways to interact with us. If you guys want to support us on Patreon, if you like what we do here and you want to support us by throwing us a little money, we would greatly appreciate it. 
We have a page for Proven Gamer on Patreon. There's uh, tiered bundles that you can choose to support us at, however you feel like. Again, though, it's not, you know, obviously it's not necessary to support the show monetarily. If you can't do it or you can't justify it, we we can still appreciate you guys, your support of the show, just by listening and, you know, word of mouth. That's really the best thing we can ask for is your advertising via word of mouth. And really, our, our big sponsor is Amazon.com. Another way you can help us is if you shop on Amazon, and it's kind of unavoidable at this point, given how easy it is to use the website and how fast things get to you. It's essential here, really, during the pandemic. But before you go to Amazon.com and do your shopping, we would you know love to have you guys come to ProvenGamer.com first. There is a link to Amazon.com on the webpage on the front homepage of the website. You can click that and it'll take you to Amazon.com. It's one extra step, but we really appreciate it. Helps out Permanent Gamer a ton. As always, we thank you guys for listening to the show and always supporting the show. And thanks for listening to 465. We will see you in a week for 466.